Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. I'm going to welcome Emma. Why don't we give Emma a round of applause? Come on. This is Emma. She's my wife. Which is great. Here we go. I'll pray for her. Um, obviously, I know Em really well, and uh, I've seen as Em has chatted with people, and I've just watched as um, what I love about Em is the way that she communicates truth in a in a really gentle um, but very powerful way. I've seen people uh, in our homes and at church just Em just chatting with them and she just carries this grace to to teach people but also she carries this grace just to um, just to unlock people in their destiny and, and I've watched her do it so many times and so um, I actually, Emma's one of my favorite preachers and I don't just say that because she's my wife uh, she didn't ask me to say that <laughs> so yeah I'll pray for her and then we'll go for it or do you want to pray for yourself it's the anointing yeah God I thank you for Em Thank you for what she carries, and we just pray for this morning. Uh, yeah, just thank you for what she, I just know what she's been preparing, and we just ask for just a, um, a really significant moment that you would anoint her words. Amen. Amen. Thanks, mate. Would you mind just getting me some water? Got a drink of water and then drank it all. Diva. diva. <laughs> One of us could be a diva, and it's not me. <laughs> Anyway, hi, thanks for having me. Um, it's really exciting to be here. Second week in, come on, two in a row. We've made it, which is really exciting. Um, I shared a bit in the um, kind of team training in July, and as part of the kind of story in that, I was talking about our life insurance and how my watch tracks my steps, and then that gives us money off our life insurance. All good. Well, you'll be happy to know, because I'm sure lots of you have been wondering how it's going. This morning, I've already clocked up two kilometers, 3,000 steps, so bring it on. So church is good for your body. Who knew, hey? So that is a win. So like Josh said earlier, this morning is um, officially, it's our Alpha Sunday. So before we launch an Alpha course, the Sunday before um, will be... Um, a, perhaps a, a more user-friendly um, Sunday for us to be able to invite our friends or people that we know who might be asking some questions about life, about faith, um, and it's a chance where we know they're not going to do anything weird. Um, now, hopefully, this is a safe place for that on a Sunday anyway, but it's a particularly um, a time when we can invite our, our friends. So we've got an Alpha course starting on Wednesday, which is really exciting. We are starting with a daytime one, um, linking in with what the Lighthouse is, is doing here already, which is great. Um, but no doubt, in terms to come, we'll run some evening ones, which might then be easier for some of us to invite our friends to than perhaps the daytime one. So we get that it's probably not um, brilliant for, for some of us, um, but that is really where we felt like we should start. So that said, this morning isn't really going to be like that because we felt like it would probably be a bit um, silly and I felt like in terms of just um, 
talking to God about where we're at and, and asking him, um, you know, what, what do you want me to share about this morning? What would be relevant and, and poignant and important to talk about this morning? Um, so we're going to kind of take a slight side swoop this morning, if that's all right. But um, what I love about Alpha is... Um, how it just gives people a chance to ask the big questions, to explore the things they're currently feeling, but also the foundations of um, our faith, what we believe. It's actually really great for new Christians. Some of us, probably be helpful for us who are not so new Christians too, but um, it's a really great chance to just really explore that and ultimately ending with an invitation to encounter Jesus, their creator. And, and I absolutely love that and I love just the I guess getting to see people really come alive in who they are but what I realized when I was thinking about it this week is that perhaps some of us have still got big questions has anyone got questions about God and life at the moment <laughs> who hasn't right and sometimes I think we can perhaps be inclined to in how we evangelize present this finished package that actually we're still maybe walking through ourselves and you know alpha is you know the slogans are like there must be more to life than this and life's greatest adventure and oh my goodness I, I believe that our relationship with Jesus is exactly that but I also know that sometimes maybe it doesn't exactly feel like that and um last week for those of you that weren't here Josh shared a story about his relationship with football before we got married and um, kind of how that had to uh, change slightly. Holly and Caleb are here. They just got married two weeks ago. Got back from the honeymoon yesterday. That was awesome. Woohoo! So they wouldn't have heard the story. Um, but um, I had probably a slightly different take on the very same story um, about how we just worked through um, Josh's covenant relationship with football and how that had to... Um, compromise a little um, once we got married but our first year of marriage was had a world cup in it and I to be honest was a pretty smug wife in terms of put the dates of the England games in my diary tick to be really honest I actually left our wedding in a Manchester United shirt and I really <laughs> and it was my idea um I really thought I'd bagged enough wife points for probably three years to not have to watch football again after that. But I realised how quickly these things go down, and it's only days before there's another match. And so I'm learning still. But we got to this first summer. I've put in all my dates in the diary. I'm ready. I've even put them, you know, the provisional dates of the games if we get through to the semi-finals, all that. I've put them all in, I'm ready to go. And we get to the first game, the opening ceremony, which was also in the diary for the win. And I realized very quickly that there were, in fact, three matches every day at the beginning. And I just had no idea. I don't know where I've been over all these World Cups. I had no idea. And it took a bit of a shift for me. Um, and I have learned that there's a question that, that I'm not allowed to ask anymore, which is, is this an important game? <laughs> but through us talking about it last week and kind of Josh just sharing in preparation for his 
talk last week, I really felt like God spoke to me. And I felt like he said that there are some of us here who feel like you're watching Japan versus Croatia in your life. And you think, God, this doesn't make sense. Why, why this? Why here? And I felt like for some of us that might be a painful moment to be watching. For others, it might just be a, this is feels, this feels boring or dull. This, this feels like this wasn't, how is this part of this great adventure that I'm meant to be on? What is, what is this? And I get it, it's, you know, using the analogy, it's football, I understand what it is, but how is this connected in? Now, we got a wall planner, so then I could learn how it was connected in. But I felt like for some of us, that's where we're at this morning. And so I just hope that um, I'm going to share from a story um, in 2 Kings. If you want to open up your Bibles, open up to 2 Kings. But I'm hoping that it's something which um, is, is helpful, really whatever season we're in right now. I feel like for so many of us, we're in a time of change in one way or another. And I think this is really a significant time for each of us in really different ways. For some of us, that might be in uh, family and friendships and relationships. For others of us, that might be with work. Some of it might be great. Some of it, it might be tricky. Um, we've just had Jackson start school in the last week or so, which has been interesting. First day, said, all right, mum, I'll go. I'll tell you how I feel, and I'll decide if I'm going back, <laughs> which we had to address that because he was going back. Uh, fortunately, he's decided he quite likes it, and he uh, made a couple of mates, and that's all you want, really, isn't it? So that is a win, but that's been a big time of change for us. Getting up in the morning, I've realised how slowly my son eats breakfast. Never knew. Um, but yeah, so for some of us, the change might not feel you know, a bad change, but it can feel like a tough one. Anyway, 2 Kings 5. We're going to just dip into a little story right in the middle with a guy called Naaman. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the first bit. I'm going to skip a bit, not because I'm trying to change the details, but because it's probably just not necessary this morning, and then I'll go on to the next bit. So... Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. We're going to skip down to verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house, Elisha being the prophet. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh should be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his God and wave his hands over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar and the rivers of the Damascus much better waters than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? 
How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down, he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Come on. So, quick overview. Naaman, a commander of the army, he's an honorable man. He clearly has a lot of responsibility. He has leprosy. His servant girl that they've taken from a raid um, into his home says to his wife, I know this, um, this prophet guy, if you saw him, he would be healed. So Naaman goes to see Elisha. Elisha sends his servant out to tell him, go and wash in a river and you'll be made clean. And Naaman gets the right ump and leaves and says, surely he would have come and waved his hands around and prayed to the Lord and then I would have got healed. Or even maybe he could have told me a cleaner river, a different river to wash in. So he leaves and his servants say, if he told you to do something great, would you not have done it? And he, not sure what the interaction is, we don't know, but he does it and he gets healed which is amazing. And I love this story. There's so much you can draw out of it and actually lots that, um, of parallels that theologians would link to Jesus and prophecies of his coming and a whole load of other stuff. Now, we're not going to be able to cover half of that this morning, but I do want us to visit um, three of the characters in that story, and I feel like there's something um, that we can relate to. I haven't got loads of time, so we're going to do it nice and quick. The first being the young servant girl who said, if only you knew what was happening over here, then he would be healed. She was someone who knew what God was doing in the land. She believed that she had influence, and she chose to engage and speak up. She could have not. She could have left her servant being a leper. She didn't have to do that. But she chose to engage because she knew what God was doing in, in her land. One of probably my biggest kick up the bums that God has given me over the last probably year and a half, if I'm honest, um, has been what it is to be present. My word for the year last January was presence, and part of that was presence with people around me. Part of that was just to do with the presence of God and how much time I am giving in my life. And one of the tools that uh, really helped me, but in a way that was really quite embarrassing, was an app called Moments. Has anyone ever heard of it? It's an iPhone app. I don't know if there's another um, Android version of it. But it tells you how many hours a day you've been on your phone. And it also tells you how many times you interact with your phone. And it also gives you a little graph, if you really want, of when in the day you've been engaging with your phone. And I would say I'm someone who's not on my phone very much. Um, and I was absolutely horrified at how many hours. I never would have thought it would have gone into actual hours. Um, but adding it up over a day, how long I was on my, my phone for. And then what was even more embarrassing was how many hours I realized I wasn't actually on my own that many hours in that day, which meant that whilst I was around people, actual people, I was also on my phone. And for me, that was the beginning of a bit of a journey of what does it look like to be more present in this moment. And for me, my phone, good old Steve Jobs, is amazing, but has been a big distraction in my world. And for you, it might not be your phone, 
but I know for me that it was a thing that actually often drew me away from a moment where I was really with my son or my family or or my friends, that I allowed it to interrupt really any moment that I was at. I'm a phone down, no notifications kind of person. But that said, my phone still rings, and I would still just look to check. I guess really what I'm checking, is this thing more important to, than this person? And that is not really something that I was very proud of. And so the journey that I've been on is like, how do I become more present in who I am and in my day that gives me um, the ability to connect with the people that I'm with in any moment, but also allows Holy Spirit to really speak into my life at any moment. Now, I've been someone who sits um, at a coffee shop, in a coffee shop with my friend. My friend goes to the toilet, and the first thing I do is pick up my phone. And I've been challenged about that, because what I've realized is there's not a moment, there could be not a moment in the day where I'm actually not doing anything. I'm not looking at a screen or thinking about something or talking to someone or doing something. And I felt like God said to me, if you want me to speak to you, then when are you listening? I was like, okay, Ooh, thanks, Lord. Um, it says in the Bible that his word is life, that what we live on is his word, that he's wanting to speak to us to tell us who we are, what he thinks about us, and what he's got to, to do for us in each day. And so I suppose my question for me and for all of us is, how are we making space? Physical time, perhaps, or just mental space, to be positioning ourselves to know what God is doing in our land, in our day. It says in Proverbs that, Without vision, people perish. So what that means is vision equals life. And where we get that from is from who God is and what he is saying to us. The next person in our story is Naaman, who cracks me up. Because he was clearly a man of faith. I don't know actually how far he had to travel, but he traveled. He took his servants with him, so... I don't even know what that means in terms of how far that was, but he traveled with faith, taking the word of his servant girl to, in belief that he would be healed. And it didn't meet his expectations. He must have imagined this really holy moment. And the prophet didn't even talk to him. And what he had done was got offended. He had reacted to the thing that he saw and decided, I don't know what was going on in his heart, I don't know what button that was pushing, but what we know is that he left. So he was really happy to go back with his leprosy and stick with that. He would have rather that than to do the thing that he was being asked to do because it didn't meet his expectations. We end up worshipping ourselves if we set the parameters that God can work in. We become our idol if we decide this is how God should do stuff. But also, I'm a firm believer that offense is something that leaves us really vulnerable, and very lonely. It says another thing, Proverbs is my favorite book, by the way. I like it because it's full of wisdom. It's very practical. It's also a bit like a bullet point. I like bullet points, um, that kind of that kind of girl. So Proverbs really speaks to me. But it says, 
in Proverbs that a, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like the bars of a castle. It leaves us disconnected, it leaves us isolated and offence is really hard to break down. It's really hard to get down. I don't know about you, sometimes there are small things that offend me. It could be the way someone's parked, it could be the way someone's spoken to their children, it could be a whole number of things that cause me immediately to disconnect from that person and think, I've made some assumptions immediately. They're like this, they're like this, like this. And in Proverbs, it also says, guard your heart above all else. I think the important thing about that is we've got to know our hearts. The things that might offend me might not be the same things that might offend you. But we've got to know our hearts in order to know what we are guarding them from. How we can then stay soft and make sure that we are people who are expectant for God to move, but don't put expectations on how he should do it. So when we look at life and it doesn't make sense, and the thing we see in front of us doesn't make sense, that we don't choose to get offended with God, but we choose, and sometimes it's really hard, but we choose to stay connected, and we choose to still believe the best. Our third group of people, group in this, are Naaman's servants don't know very much about them but what we do know is that they challenged him and said dude if they had told you to do something great would you not have done it I don't know what their relationship was like but I feel like they were probably speaking above their station in that moment to challenge ultimately their their master but what we know is that without them Naaman probably wouldn't have got his healing we are built for community. We need each other. The very first thing that God said was not good was a perfect person in a perfect place in uninterrupted relationship with Jesus on their own. And so we know that we were built for community. And one thing I would love for this place, this community, is for us to be a people where we can be real, and bring all of who we are. Some of us probably find that easier than others. I'm quite a private person. And I'm quite inclined to the, fine, thanks, how are you? I've got it nailed. And uh, Brene Brown. Is anyone into Brene Brown? Oh, my goodness. Guys, if you don't read it because it's a woman that's um, read it and you think it looks floaty on the front, honestly, it will rock your world. She is a legend. Um, but she has taken me on a whole journey of what vulnerability looks like and why perhaps we withdraw from that. But I would love this to be a place where we can bring our stuff, where we can celebrate the wins, but we can journey through the tough stuff together. And that takes bravery. It takes us to be brave to say, do you know what? I'm not doing so good. And there's a, a quote that's attributed to Nelson Mandela, which talks about how, um, I'm going to totally destroy the quote now, but it talks about how us shining liberates others. And I think that is so true. But I'd also say that us bringing the realness of who we are liberates others to also do the same. To say, hey, you've had a pretty rubbish week. Me too. And actually be able to be real 
and journey, the mess and the snot and the tears and the real stuff, because we know that that's true. This, this thing that Alpha promises isn't that life is going to be straightforward. It's that we get to be connected to our creator. We know who we are. We get someone to journey it with us. We get the tools for the way. It is so important and so relevant, but it doesn't necessarily change the road that we're walking on. And so, I guess that's my challenge for us this morning. One, what is God saying to you? It's one of my favorite questions when chatting about life and what's happening is, what's God saying to you and about it? I know for me recently, I've had some situations where I really would have liked some writing across the sky or, or a stranger approach me and say, the Lord doth say, and then tell me exactly what decision to make. And we know that it doesn't really work like that, but sometimes we really would like it to. But what is God saying to you? He is speaking. He might not be answering right now the question that you're asking but he's got something to say over who you are your job your family your finances your friendships what is he saying to you the next is let's have expectancy and not expectations on how god is going to meet the cries of our heart let's know ourselves and let's be real and let's do this journey together. Because what we know from this story is that Naaman ends up healed. And it actually says somewhere in the New Testament, he was the only leper at that time to get healed at all. And it actually took a whole group of people to get him there. But he got there. So, Josh, it's actually five to ten. Eleven. Five to... Five two. It's five two. Why don't we stand?